Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Good morning to those of you who are joining us live on YouTube. Thanks for doing that. And hey, good whatever it is to those of you who are just listening to the podcast version of the show. Michael Beller and Jake Seeley here with you today. Brandon Funston on vacation, sneaking in one last vacation before the NFL season really starts to get going. And Jake, I don't know, man. It feels it feels all right around here without him. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fine. I don't know. I never understood you guys. I'm just once July gets here, I, just, I have to take vacations at the first half of the year. You guys taking vacations in August and September, and I don't know what the hell is wrong with you guys. But like, I believe- hey, baseball tonight, home run derby. Release. I know football people, but we can watch that tonight, right? Yo, absolutely. I've already got some. I've got a bet in on Matt Olson as my winner. You got a winner. Oh, I smashed the living hell out of the over for 503.5 for the longest (laughs) homer. When they said no humidor, I immediately (laughs) went to every betting site I could find and smashed every single over I could find that was in the low 500s. It's mostly up to like 519, 520 and all the sites. Everybody had the same idea. Yeah, it's exactly what I was. Last I saw was up to like 518. And a half. Yeah. So uh, if yeah, it no gets up to five thirty, I might play some the other way. Just <laughs> oh you know. man, there's a huge even right now. There's a nice window if you got in at five oh three and a half. I would still bet over five eighteen, but at least there's a window there that you can there be was, living in for sure. I think it was bet MGM. I forget which one of them was. It was actually five oh three for the first round, and then five eleven for the entire thing. And I hit the mm. over on both of those. So that's, I thought that was yeah. an interesting one. But I'm like, look, all you need to tell me is that Gallo. Is like he's in the first round in Colorado with no humidor. I mean, I'm kind of interested to see if somebody gets up to like 550, honestly. Yeah, I would love to see like a total footage prop also for what these homers are going to be. I don't know how you would even get into the math of figuring oh, yeah. that out, but it, it's like going to be it's going to be fun, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I always think of the the so- Sammy Sosa in Milwaukee home run derby for that one, but uh, it should be you know it's it, we know it's the slowest sports week of the year, but uh, still something fun to start it off, and hopefully this is something fun to start off your week as well as Jake and I are going to celebrate draft kit launch week here at the Athletic by getting in to some top 100 ADP. Some guys who maybe, if you haven't been paying attention until just about now, you're surprised a little bit about where their ADPs might be. That's what Jake and I are going to talk about in this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. But as we've been doing every episode, we can't start without a little guess that player. We've got three more clues and another player for you this week. And the first clue right here, Jake, we're going to the running back position uh, this one. And what we've got here, among running backs with at least six games played in 2020, I was RB10 in points per game. So think about that. This doesn't include Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, RB1 in points per game, but only played three games. So you had to have at least six games played. And our guy for today was RB10 by points per game. Ooh, Let's get into some. I just got super dark looking at my Scott Fishbowl draft. Wow, that's like Yeah, you need, really some, dark. you need some. You need to turn on some lights there or something, man. You no, need, I have uh, some lights. Like, it's balanced out fine until I click on a dark page. So, <laughs> <laughs> are, It's like you're in mourning without Funston being around. It is. Are, are uh, you? Uh, you're, you're very sad that he's not here. No, yeah, that's, that's what it was. Here, I'll make sure I click up there. No more Scott Fishbowl. Are you, are you guys right. still going? Are you done in yours yet? Done in mine. Not you're the, still, yours still going along? Uh, thankfully not the slowest one, but we've been pretty slow. Thank you, Paul Sporer. <laughs> I just called you out on this damn show for you're like, this dude, real quick. Sorry, everybody, but I'm calling out Paul Sporer because this dude is taking like three or four hours every pick. And then Saturday, because I queue up all mine, I actually for the first time ever didn't hit the queue and I still picked within 15 minutes. He texts me on a Saturday. You're on the clock. I'm like, dude, <laughs> how are you calling me out for being on the clock for 10 minutes? And you're like taking three or four hours. Yeah. Saturday rules. They go out the window too. the way this, uh, the way that any slow draft goes. But uh, I just want to call Jake out for a second here because before we got going, he told me to schedule shows for 40 minutes long and then is talking about his Scott fishbowl draft for like 90 seconds. So let's get that little barb in <laughs> and let's get on 
to setting the ADP stage. Again, we're focusing on guys who are in the top 100, and you don't need us to talk about Christian McCaffrey being number one overall, or Dalvin Cook being number two overall. But once that, again, as I said, if you haven't been paying super close attention, as Jake and I have, maybe you'll see these ADPs and be like, huh, that's interesting. And so the first guy I want to start with, Jake, is Cam Akers. Cam Akers has a 16.3 overall ADP. Again, this is the ADPs that bring together Yahoo, Fantrax, and NFFC Draft. 16.3 in those three combined. That makes him the RB11, an early second-round pick. We're always going to be referring to 12-team leagues when we're talking about rounds. So 16.3 puts you off the board somewhere in the early second round of an AD or of a 12-team draft. And Jake, the question that we're going to try to strive to answer with all these guys is, at ADP, I would, or I guess we're filling in the blank. So at ADP, Cam Akers, 16.3 in general, what are you looking at here when you look at Cam? I think it's a proper price. I think that's right. Well, like I'm looking right now, uh, sneak preview to the draft kit coming out and the projections, which if you don't like this year, guess what, everybody? I spent 100 damn hours. Around. Yeah, so you could change your projections <laughs> and it re-ranks for you. So you could be like, no, Jake, you're dumb. And this person's touching the ball so many times. <laughs> I actually have Cam Akers right now looking at him. RB11. And right behind him, RB12 is Najee Harris. Uh, you can see the rest in the draft kit, but he's uh, surprisingly the guy in front of him. I was actually more surprised by is Jonathan Taylor. I thought Jonathan Taylor would finish higher. Now oh, I also wow. have a separate set. Well, no, cause you, sh- I saw that look in your face. I'm also having a separate set of rankings this year of how I would draft because I always say, you know, I go to our projections, but depending on the scenario, I might take somebody a few spots ahead because you go for more upside once you hit your bench and blah, 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 blah. Like, I think I would go Jonathan Taylor over Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones right in front of him. But Cam Akers, I think he's probably slotted behind that group. Like, I could see Cam finishing as high as five, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, Cam Akers, if healthy Daryl Henderson, a lot of passing now with Matthew Stafford, and they're already passing more. I just don't know. I don't know if the volume is set without another Daryl Henderson injury, which could happen, where he's touching, like, the Zeeks and even, you know, Joe Mixon's workload and stuff like that. So I like him. I think that's a proper price. Yeah, that's where I get into a little bit of trouble of trying to elevate him anywhere beyond that is exactly what you said. Daryl Henderson, so long as he's healthy, is going to have a role. And we know that this team, I mean, Sean McVay wants to throw the ball a ton. They went after Matthew Stafford for a reason. And it wasn't just to increase the floor of the offense and increase the overall quarterback competency of making the move from Jared Goff over to Matthew Stafford. I think it was because it puts more juice into this team's passing game. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, uptick that by getting some more looks to Robert Woods, some more looks to Cooper Cup, and we'll see exactly how that plays out. But I think for me, it is a volume concern as to why Cam Akers is hard to push up into that next group, but I think very safely in this group. And so someone who, uh, to fill in the blank, at ADP, I would happily take Cam Akers right there. Not necessarily going to take him, right? we got some guys in that same range. Opportunity cost concerns with you're passing on DeAndre Hopkins. You could be passing on uh, Antonio Gibson or Austin Eckler, DK Metcalf, other guys going in that range. But I think it's a very fair spot for Cam Akers to be going this season and definitely someone who could find himself climbing up draft boards, I think, as we get a little bit closer to draft season. Jake, you mentioned the next guy on your projections, or this is your projections, not your rankings, is Najee Harris. And Najee Harris is a 22 by ADP, RB14 by ADP, late second round. This is another one that I do think people who are just coming around to getting ready for their fantasy drafts this summer might be a little surprised by, just because... You know, he wasn't, you know, we, we, we have become accustomed in recent years to seeing rookie running backs perform really well right off the jump. Most of those guys have been selected very high in the NFL draft. Najee Harris was the first uh, running back selected in this year's draft, but it was a late first round pick. You know, not someone who we necessarily expected to uh, jump right into the fantasy fray the way that he has, but he is doing that. And this is, I think, a low point probably for Najee Harris. I don't see him going much lower than this as we get closer to draft season. At ADP, does this feel fair to you? No, this feels fair. You know, like I just mentioned, I'll take him a little bit higher than this even uh, just because mm-hmm. it's what do we want in football and fantasy specifically? We want volume. I know everybody is volume. concerned about the offensive line, but Look, the fact is we have, I've said this on previous shows, is we've had top 10 running backs finish with bottom five offensive lines, and we've had Mm -hmm. top 10 offensive lines not produce an RB1 
because a split volume. It's not that they're not performing well. It's just the split backfield. And that's really what it comes down to. We were talking about people in this range. Let's go back to Cam Akers. Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, uh, even Aaron Jones last year. I don't don't know, maybe so much this year. It depends on what they do with A.J. Dillon, but that's a question right there. Austin Eckler. Yeah, for sure. All these guys, you can talk about the fact that Najee Harris probably percentage-wise touches the ball more than any of them because yeah, you're talking about fair. Anthony McFarlane and Betty Snell. Like he's <laughs> going to be the bell cow. And that's what Mike Tomlin's done for the majority of his career. And we know that what you can bring in this, it's not even the fact that he's a bell cow guy because we could go the opposite way. If we said that a lot of times where we like, look, Doug Peterson doesn't use a bell cow. And then the one year he actually mm-hmm. used Miles Sanders because the talent behind him changed. You look at this situation with Andy Reid. Well, it changed. He used to go bell cow, and then he split a lot with Clyde Edwards-Alaire because the talent was a different setup. It's not saying that coaches won't change. What I'm saying is you have a coach who leans that way. Now you have a running back who is infinitely better than anybody else in that backfield. So it's not even like, oh, you know, it's the Chargers that they lost Eckler. Like, there's a lot of similar values back there. Like, this is a large gap between everybody else. So Harris is touching the ball 300-plus times. Poor offensive line. I get it. If you want to take mm-hmm. Acres because of that, if you want to take Joe Mixon because of that, or something like that, that's fine. You split the difference, but you don't move Dodger Harris down to RB twenty because you're scared about the offensive line. Yeah, I think that's a, a a very good point to make, and I think the object lesson here is James Robinson last year uh, was RB seven on a one in fifteen team, a bad team, and we're not talking. It's on an apples to apples comparison. We expect the Steelers right. to be a better team. The Jaguars had a better offensive line last year than the the Steelers did this year, although it's not exactly a line that we were you know writing poems about how great they were. Uh, but still, just a, a a point to be made that. You can be on a bad team and still have a very good running back season. You can be running behind a bad offensive line and still have a very good running back season. Najee Harris has the volume to offset that. And something I find interesting about him, too, is that he seems to be settling into a tier where he's like one of the last backs to go after. And there are guys like J.K. Dobbins in this range and Josh Jacobs, but Najee Harris seems to be separating himself by ADP a little bit from those guys where he's almost on a on an island uh, with that the last uh, guy of the group ahead of him before we drop down to the next group. And by ADP, the next three guys who come off the board are all pass catchers. You've got A.J. Brown, you've got George Kittle, and then you've got the next guy that we're going to talk about here, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson obviously had a phenomenal rookie season. I thought he should have been rookie of the year personally, because I just thought relative to his position, I mean, he was a superstar. Forget about his being a rookie. Justin Herbert had a great year, but relative to the positional performance was nowhere near the where, where Justin Jefferson was at the wide receiver position. A great year. He is the wide receiver one in Minnesota. There is no doubt about that. And I think we should see Adam Thielen slide even further down draft boards than we're already seeing. He's going in the late second, early third rounds by 80, ADP 24.7, the wide receiver eight. How does that feel to you, Jake? <laughs> I'm chuckling over here because I just looked and he's wide receiver eight. That's where he is in my ranks. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, look, that's that's a fair spot. I, I think that he actually, if he finished top five, I don't think it would be a shock to most anybody. And that's yeah. where the upside Like The only issue is I don't see him being top three because now you're talking potentially top four even I think he could hit five but if Aaron Rodgers which you know I've been the assumption the entire time Aaron Rodgers is back with the Packers and we have to keep Mm -hmm. playing like that until that changes which I assume at this point especially if you watch the match if you watch that where Tom Brady took that little (laughs) pop shot at him when they were doing Jeopardy beforehand where he said who is the guy who's disgruntled with his GM and has no like he has no options or something like that and Aaron Rodgers came back and said I never I never said I was mad with the GM but (laughs) <laughs> By the way, I didn't mention, oh, yeah, I have no options. Like, he's stuck. He knows that. Yeah. And I think, yep. you know, that's the that's why I've been on this. So anyway, I'm saying that to say uh, Adams, Hill, Diggs, Devontae. and Ridley, because of their volume, because of their talent, because of where they are, I just don't see him cracking that four because Adam Thielen is still there and you still have Dalvin Cook. So I don't think he mm-hmm. quite gets that that top elite tier, but that very next one, if he was the top of those – I don't, I don't think that's out of the equation at all. I think Je- Justin Jefferson is locked in as being a top 10. And it's funny that you said that because I saw somebody tweet that earlier this morning, said the 2020 wide receiver class, it's Justin Jefferson, number one, let's stop the debate. And I was like, I don't know where he's going with that. Is he going fantasy? Absolutely, I agree. But if we're talking like CeeDee Lamb, still pure talent, I might take Lamb. I'm just throwing that out there. But, but the fact is, it's only a horse. It's a two horse race at this point. It's Jefferson right, and right. CeeDee Lamb. 
That's a little preview of something we're going to talk about just a little bit later on this episode. Oh, is it? I didn't even get that far down the show sheet. (laughs) Oh, it absolutely is, Jake. We will definitely get into a little bit of CeeDee Lamb and where he's going by ADP. I think an important thing to take away from Justin Jefferson before we move on from him, too, is you mentioned those top four guys, Devontae, Tyreek, Stephon Diggs, and Calvin Ridley. We know that things don't play to form perfectly like that every single season. And, you know, one of those guys could get injured. One of those teams could just be a little bit worse than we're expecting, whatever the case might be. But I think an important thing to think about in the context of the discussion you and I are having right now is there's really no leg to stand on to take anyone else ahead of those four receivers. Those are definitely the top four receivers to take in drafts. I don't even think you can make a good argument for like DeAndre Hopkins, as great as he's been. I think those guys have separated themselves and should be the first four receivers off the board in every draft. And then we get to the next group of guys where Justin Jefferson definitely has it within his realistic range of outcomes to play up and be the next best guy and so getting him late second early third round definitely not only feels like a a great price but reminds us just how great it is to pick early in drafts because you get that shot at Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook and then you can come back around and find someone like Justin Jefferson sitting there for you at the end of the second early in the third round let's move on to our next guy here Jake we are seeing tight ends get a little bit more uh, pumped up in fantasy drafts and no surprise that Darren Waller is one of those guys 27th by ADP the tight end three behind of course Travis Kelsey and George Kittle early third round. So maybe you could do that. Maybe you could go running back receiver tight end and make Darren Waller your third overall pick, I believe. I know last year for sure, and I don't think anything's changed for you. Something you're not exactly into. So does that make Darren Waller, as great as he is, a pass for you at ADP? You know what? Early third, I mean, it sounds nitpicky to be like late third, I would think about it. But the difference is, is because... I know I'm picking quick into the fourth round. So mm-hmm. why, you know, it's the same conversation I have when I say George Kittle in the second. Um, I'd rather be at the end of the second taking George Kittle than the beginning of the second. And well, there's some people aren't even on that. I'm actually really surprised he's tied in three because reading Twitter and the fantasy world, whatever you want to call it, hashtag, right. whatever, <laughs> I would have assumed Waller was 10 times out of 10, the number two, like, uh, or was actually tweeting with Nathan Jockey of PFF yesterday because he has him at number two, Kittle at two, and I have Kittle at two too. And I thought we were like the only two people out there. Like it just <laughs> felt like everybody was on Waller. So yeah. I would say at tight end three, that actually feels like you might be getting a discount for what the fantasy world apparently believes. But again, that ADP might be a little bit off apparently. But I, you know, either way. I'd rather be doing it at the end of the third round, Kittle or Waller, both of them. I have Waller third. I have Kittle still at number two. I'd do it at the end of the third because I know I'm quick picking quick into the fourth round. If I'm picking early in the third round and I have to wait all the way to the fourth because that's just where you're picking, I just I don't like what's probably going to be left, especially at running back. Even if I went running back, running back, now the wide receivers maybe, mm-hmm. but we've talked about before in previous shows that that fourth, fifth round is a real sweet spot for the wide receivers that are falling. But yeah, the last thing I want to see is like, oh man, Allen Robinson's still on the board. CeeDee Lamb's still on the board. Uh, who else? Like Keenan Allen's still on the board. And then I get to the end of the fourth round and an entire tier is blown up. And now mm-hmm. I have to make the jump into that next group. And my number one wide receiver ends up being like, Tyler Lockett or Robert Woods, which is still good, but it's just, you know, it's that like, I'd rather wait for Pitts or Andrews in the fifth, sixth round, or even keep waiting after that. Yes. And that's really what the case is going to be because you do see uh, Darren Waller with that 2780p, just a few spots ahead of him. You find George Kittle at 24.3. And to give you an idea of who else is in that range, we just talked about Justin Jefferson, J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Josh Jacobs, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen. Those guys are all inside the first 32 picks by ADP. So let's say you waited, right? Or you you took you took Darren Waller, you took George Kittle, where you're going to have to take him realistically. And now we're coming back around to the, what, the end of the fourth round. We're looking at that 4-5 turn. Now you're talking about guys with ADPs like Adam Thielen, Kareem Hunt, uh, Robert Woods, Mark Andrews. Here we go. Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson. There could be a big drop-off, especially when you think about the fact that People are going to want to get in on running backs early. You're going to see those tight ends go. And so someone who goes, you know, running back, running back in those first two rounds and misses out on the tight ends is going to be for sure targeting receivers. So I do think we're going to see a big thinning out of that group, that Robinson, McLaurin, Keenan Allen group. We're going to see all that thin out before the fourth round comes back around. I was going to give you an example. And I'm not being like, oh, look at my draft because nobody cares about our drafts. But 
I want to give you an example of how this could happen. So I was doing a draft and it's a best ball, but I'm at the 12 turn and it's a super flex. So things got blown up for everybody out there that understands why this happened. Mm -hmm. So my first two picks were Kamara and Kelsey. Again, I don't, you know me, I don't ever want to do that, but the quarterbacks, the big five quarterbacks were gone. All Mm -hmm. that top tier of running backs until Kamara was gone. So I had to take Kamara, but now it was either jump in on that next tier and go back at running back again or start the next group of quarterbacks was like the Russell Wilson's and the Herbert and stuff like that. So that's why I took Kelsey. But what happened and got blown up the next turn come around, I was staring at Waller. (laughs) <laughs> like, you know what? I'm going to do the Pat Mayo. I'm going to ruin everybody else's tight end because I'm going to double down <laughs> with Darren Waller. I don't bring that yeah. up, but I bring that up for this conversation is this is how my top three wide receivers fell. So this is why I bring it up because my top three wide receivers are now Sutton, Landry, Will Fuller. Not terrible, mm-hmm. but also it doesn't, it doesn't give you warm and yeah. fuzzy feelings when those are your three. I mean, again, it doesn't. you know, it's not, again, if Will Fuller, once he's finally there, and then my fourth wide receiver is Marvin Jones. It's, it's not bad. It's just, mm-hmm. you see, like, if put it this way, the reason I bring that up is because let's just even say it was only one tight end, and that's how my wide receivers fell. If your tight end bombs, you're pretty much toast. Like, your tight end has right. to be, like, it has to be who you think you're drafting. That's exactly the point. It was something we talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot last year with Travis Kelsey, and Travis Kelsey was that dude last year. Yeah. But there is, yeah, there is zero, literally zero margin for error. If you're taking a tight end that early, they have to be that guy or better, or it is going to look like a bad pick. Let's get one more guy here before we get to our second clue for guess that player. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. This was a guy who was being selected in the first half of first rounds last season. I want to say that we were all off of that. So kudos to us if I'm right about that. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire now RB 16, 29 by ADP. That puts him somewhere in the middle of the third round. I don't know, Jake, this still feels like a little bit too rich for me because uh, as chiefs offense, like it's, there's so much Kelsey and Tyreek that I just don't know how much there is to go around for everyone else. I don't know how much there is to go around to support Clyde Edwards Hilaire at this spot when I can still get someone like Michael Thomas or Keenan Allen or so many other guys in this spot that I don't do. Do I already want to be taking a guy who is undoubtedly, the third option in his offense with a top 30 pick. I just don't think I do. <laughs> and I understand it. Yeah. So last year for everybody, cause I know people are like, Jake, you're all over him. No, we, I don't know if we, but I, I was all over, I'll say me. And you can say if you were too, but I was all over Clyde Edwards, Alaire at the beginning of the second round. If you wanted to do it on the turn and get him at the 11th pick, just to make sure you got him mm-hmm. until everything happened. And until people started going bananas because Damian yeah. uh, Williams, the Damian out. Williams opt out. Yeah. yeah, and he got pushed up to what you're talking about. He was like the fifth, sixth, seventh pick. And I'm like, no, this is stupid. Now, now it's dumb. Now we're not doing this. Because unlike Najee Harris, even before Le'Veon Bell, what did we talk about last year? And because this still holds true, and that's why I'm bringing it up, is the running back situation for Edwards Alaire is the Jamal Charles. I think outside of like two years, Jamal Charles never even really touched the ball 20 times in a game. Yeah. Didn't need that's to. Jamal Charles. Yeah, didn't need because he's Jamal Charles, and that was the ceiling for Edwards Hilaire. And I don't need Edwards Hilaire to touch the ball twenty times per game. I want running back blank who has that skill set for the Chiefs touching the ball fifteen times, and that's mm-hmm. fine as a high end RB two, like fringe RB one with some little bit upside for more. People went bananas last year. Now you said it's not just the third, but let's go back to this. They still like Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams is yes, still going to touch the ball. He's actually one of my favorites of not the Latavius Murray's of the world of like, I've been grabbing a lot of Daryl Williams late because if Edwards Lair gets hurt again, he, he missed a few games last year. Mm-hmm. We've seen Daryl Williams put up fringe top 20 or top 20, top 12 running back numbers. So say all that to like, I have him at 19 and it's not so much that I hate Edwards Hilaire. I like him a lot, but it's the volume game. The guys in front of him. Uh, Mike Davis, people are going to call me crazy. We talked about it on the last show. I think Mike Davis, you're talking about volume versus Edwards Hilaire, talking about a similar Mm -hmm. offense that's going to try and do a lot, Uh, might not be as successful, but volume. Chris Carson, only question with him has ever been injuries. Can he stay healthy? Nick Chubb, Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris. Like it's volume, 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 volume. And that's why I don't push him higher. The only one that's right in front of him, and I've already said that I'm a little hesitant on him, is DeAndre Swift. My projections have Swift with four more points. I'd mm-hmm. probably take Edwards Hilaire. That's why I'm going to have my separate rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, that's one touchdown difference, and Edwards Hilaire jumps him anyway. But that would put him in RB18. So this is actually still a tad high, as you said. Yeah, yeah. Just again, like I, just to that the the fine point I put on this is the guy is without question 
the number three option in his own offense. And I have trouble getting to that, even knowing what the Chiefs offense is. Even knowing that, I have trouble getting there with a top 30 pick, a guy who I know is running third at best in his offense when a team needs to play with what Tyreek and Travis Kelsey bring to the table. All right, Jake, clue number two for our uh, guess that player. I was in the top 10 in touches per game with 18 Oh, I forgot to write it down. My answer hasn't changed. Hold on, let me write it down. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So uh, to remind everyone, clue number one was among running backs with at least six games played in 2020, I was RB10 by points per game. This guy also touched the ball quite a bit in the top 10 in touches per game with 18.3. And don't miss that per game qualifier. That's definitely something that is very important (laughs) as we get into Could you hear uh, the marker squeaking when I was doing it? I did not. Oh, okay. <clears throat> but I, li- I like it. I like it. I, so there's, you're, you're, you had this right, right from the – you had this guess from, from clue number one, right? Yes. All right, good. Um, this is a fun one. I can't wait to talk about this guy at the end of the show. We're going to move on to someone who is not our guest that player but does play the same position. Miles Sanders uh, checking in at 32.3 by ADP, RB19. That puts him going mid-late third round depending on how things fall in your draft. I loved this guy. Last year, Jake, I really thought that he was going to be, I believe I had a bold prediction of something like Miles Sanders will be a top five running back in 2022 drafts. I just really thought everything was going to line up for him, that he was going to get plenty of work in both the run and passing games for Philly. And obviously we know what happened there. I kind of want to get back in at this price. I like this price on Miles Sanders. Every single thing that could have gone wrong for this Philadelphia offense went wrong a season ago, and Miles Sanders suffered as a part of that. I feel like this is a very easy bounce back to buy into, and what I also like about it is that 32.3 RB19, you don't need him to be an RB1 to feel good about this. Like If he just is a top 15 running back, you feel very good about this, and I think he's got that club in his bag. Yeah, the biggest concern is we've talked about it on this show, is that how much volume does he get in the passing game? Because he was his own yeah. problem last year. Like, yes, there was a hell of, like, uh, look, if everybody out there, I'm a Giants fan, and I, you know this, I am the most, I'll poo-poo my team before anybody else, and I'll also yes. laud everybody else in the division. The so, anti-homer. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, I say this is, like, this is coming from somebody who, like, should have a hatred for the Eagles. I love so many of the Eagles for value this year, from Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. to Miles Sanders to Jalen Rager, super late, and yep. I like Devontae awesome. Smith a lot. I like this entire mm-hmm. team. Dallas Goddard wasn't healthy for a lot of the year. The biggest issue, the offensive line was on their third string unit. Like They were pulling dudes off the street trying to find people to play mm-hmm. offensive line for him. So even if he doesn't get the volume in the passing game, and again, he was part of the problem last year. Everything this team has shown us in the offseason says they're making plans for Miles Sanders to potentially not be that used in the passing game. So let's say that's the worst-case scenario. He still has the Nick Chubb upside, maybe a little bit less, but Nick Chubb doesn't get a lot of work in the passing game because Kareem Hunt is just as good as he is and better in the passing game. So maybe he only gets 30 receptions, 25 receptions, but if the offensive line can bounce back, the offense can bounce back. He's a mid-low RB2, so this feels right about the range where I think that he should go. He's kind of in the conversation with Edward Solaire, as we just talked about, Josh Jacobs, your boy, David Montgomery, who, by the way, <laughs> was on a bottom offensive line finishing as a top 10 running back, yeah. so there's another yeah, example. Volume, 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 volume yeah. there. <laughs> um, I think this is a proper range for him. I have him just two spots, wait, two, th- three spots lower, but it, this is this whole group, there's like a nice tier of group uh, of running backs mm-hmm. here. Yeah, there there is a group of guys that you could really see shaking out in any way. Um, the people who you would pass on, just again, using ADP as gospel, which of course is not going to be the case uh, in an anecdotal situation, but just using that, players you'd be passing on if you take Miles Sanders perhaps include Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Chris Carson, David Montgomery. That's what you're looking at when you're thinking about drafting Miles Sanders. And I'm not saying you have to take him over all those guys. I don't think I would take him over either of those receivers, for example. But I think that's an appropriate spot to start thinking about Miles Sanders. And one of my favorite bounce back candidates for this season. Let's stick in the division, Jake. We talked, we referenced him. We didn't talk about him yet, but we referenced him a little earlier it's our guy, C.D. Lamb, who I think we're going to see him go higher than this. Right now, the ADP has him as 46, wide receiver 17, late fourth round. We are still getting plenty of talk about Amari Cooper 
and the uh, ankle injury, and maybe he's not going to be ready for training camp, and I know it's just July 12th and we're not worried about it yet, but if we're talking about that on August 12th, I am worried about it at that point, and I think we're going to see CeeDee Lamb start to climb up draft boards a little bit. Again, there's a ceiling on how high he can go, like we talked about with Justin Jefferson. You can't really take him inside the top you know, four or five guys because of who else is up there, even though he can maybe play his way up there. There's a ceiling to how high you could take CeeDee Lamb, but if I could get him at this spot, I'm all over that because I, I I mean with a healthy Dak Prescott I want in in this on this Dallas offense in some way I need investment in this Dallas offense with Dak Prescott healthy. Yeah, this is one of the ones where I was actually surprised where the projections slotted him, and I didn't disagree too much. Uh, the first check in is wide receiver thirteen. Uh, only two spots yeah. behind Amari Cooper. <laughs> and I agree with you, and we've referenced that on previous shows too, is that if Amari Cooper is still dealing with this a month from now, there's Amari Cooper's going to be behind CeeDee Lamb just because you can't keep you coming off the injury. You thought everything would be fine at this point. Similar to Saquon Barkley. Like, we're kind of holding right. steady with Saquon Barkley. Getting a little but, concerned there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, this goes back to the Le'Veon Bell suspension season is, you know, if you told me I had zero games, the first four weeks, I don't even have Barkley and then have him for the rest of the season. He's still top five because it's replacement player mm-hmm. plus Barkley. It's not like you're giving up those five games or four games. Right. So uh, that's the side point there. You can make the case for Mark Cooper. Amari Cooper's going to try and be out there for week one. So is Barkley. So that's where you get a little bit concerned is how healthy they're going to be. Is it risk and aggravation? Um, I have Lamb sandwiched between Keenan Allen and Chris Godwin and that's four spots higher than ADP and I'm taking him at 17 every time I can I would take him a little bit higher and I don't have a problem with it I think the pushback I would even say if you want to take him over Allen mm, probably not but if you want to take him over Cooper at this point because of what we're talking about I'm okay with it I just can't push him inside the top 10 as you said so I think the opportunity cost stops as soon as he hits that basically one wide receiver one tier yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, we always talk about opportunity costs just as something simple relative to where guys are getting taken, but I, I agree with you. I don't think there is an opportunity cost tied to uh, CeeDee Lamb once those wide receiver ones are off the board. I mean, I guess there literally is, but I feel very comfortable taking him over all of those guys. And just as a reminder, in case you need it, the five games that Dak Prescott played a season ago, CeeDee Lamb had 29 grabs on 40 targets for 433 yards and a pair of touchdowns, two 100-yard games. He was awesome. (laughs) And that team put up four games with at least – 31 points also with Dak Prescott healthy four of the five he played the one they didn't week one against the Rams and we know I mean you know week one last season no training camp no preseason games a good Rams defense whatever I I think the book is still open on Jefferson versus Lamb I think it is too either way it's one year of course it's still open these guys are both great of course it's still open and like yeah, and he didn't. He was playing with not Dak Prescott for the rest of the season, which certainly yeah. changed the way that the second and third. Although I think we'll take the under on Dak, season looked. Dak averaging four hundred yards a game. I think we'll take the under. Probably, <laughs> probably going to take the under on that. I think the Cowboys would like that because that means that their defense is maybe somewhat competent compared with what it was a season ago. But I do feel very good about Ceedee Lamb at this spot, a little bit higher than this spot in this Dallas offense. Dak is going to throw for seven thousand yards with an extra game. Hey, right. I mean, since we're already on it, let's just go right to it. I wanted to get some quarterbacks in here. Obviously, there's a caveat to all quarterback stuff where traditional one QB leagues, maybe you don't want to go this early on a quarterback. So we're, I guess we're more looking at it relative to the quarterback position. You see these two guys, Lamar and Dak. Right on top of one another, Lamar, 49th overall by ADP, Dak Prescott, 51.7. They're QB, 4-5. They're going early fifth round. And why I included them, Jake, is because, as you said, referencing that draft of yours earlier in the show, there's a big five at the quarterback position. It's these two guys plus Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Kyler Murray. And so it feels like if you are going to go early at the position, this is a now or never spot, right? It's either you get one of these guys or you're waiting a little bit. How do you feel getting one of these guys if you have to use about pick number 50 on them? Pick 50, I'm kind of okay with it. We're kind of in the world where this upper tier kind of – now you're in the conversation of the tight ends like the Kelsey, Kittles, and Wallers is mm-hmm. right. it gives you such a leg up if they are who they are. The problem was last year, Lamar Jackson is the perfect example of how it can go wrong. You know, Lamar Jackson was still top 10 
Buddy was a lost value, or like, but not lost value. Yeah. He was a negative return on value. He was a negative where, return, yeah, yeah, yep. where you had to take him. And then the biggest issue with quarterback is because it's one spot, and because you know this is why we like the industry, quote unquote, has been you know pushing for more super flex is because. One quarterback is so easy to find players like Justin Herbert, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers wasn't going as even close to the top five last year. And then it was what what was he number three or two last year? Like, it's just it's insane. So uh, if you want to look at it that way, that's the biggest issue is like I have I don't have a problem with that ADP. It's just knowing what the quarterback position does in fantasy. Again, you know, Lamar Jackson repeats last year. It's not as big as a loss, but it's still not going to be a great return. Dak Prescott, for all intents and purposes, does have a little bit of risk with this injury. Like, it could come back Mm -hmm. and not look good. Uh, But I have both of them in my top five. It's interesting to go back to the projections. Aaron Rodgers actually checked in at four. I wouldn't take him four. I would take him six. But it's just (laughs) like, and I'm looking at the projections, and I'm like, I don't know how he gets pushed down unless I manipulate the number. Again, this is why I'm making it customizable. Is I would, like... Go real quick to throw Aaron Rodgers into this conversation. I have him for 39 yeah, sure. and a half, 40 passing touchdowns. That's less than he threw last year. So, I mean, that's that's know, way he had 48 last year. Yeah. So, that's right? a huge 40, yeah, drop. 48 off. against five interceptions, way less yeah, than he had. And last he's year. still QB4. So, that's just that's the point there. Like, so this is why I combine projections in my rankings is because you have to really chop off his touchdown production to push him behind even Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, even with their run, rushing upside. So I bring him into the conversation just to say that if he's back in Green Bay, I love Dak Prescott. I have so much Dak Prescott right now. But now that he's pushing and now he's creeping back up and people are starting to get the faith again, I'm just waiting on Aaron Rodgers, honestly. Real, uh, so Aaron Rodgers is going right now by ADP as QB8, uh, 63.3. So you're talking about what a round or so later you can get Aaron Rodgers round plus you can pair Aaron get, Ro- it's like yeah. it's like Aaron Rodgers and Robert Woods or Lamar Jackson and Brandon Ayuk yeah so there you go I I would take that's I would take the Woods because I don't think I, we talked about it. we were joking about the bet on the side but I still think there's a scenario like Kittle's the number one maybe he's not what if it's Ayuk but that's <laughs> at least like let's put it this way we know Woods and Cup are the one two. For Matthew Stafford, yes. and now have mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford, and Robert Woods right. being Robert Woods for not being able to score touchdowns. Now with St- Matthew Stafford, Robert Woods could start pushing the wide receiver one conversation. Ayuk has a big question mark. I said, "Oh could, yeah, man, I'm like, writing that one down. I'm writing that one down. We're gonna have to. We're gonna save that for a future for, show. for a future show. <laughs> yeah, we can't do it. We can't do it right now. We have too much right. stuff to talk about. We're, no, we're sort of rounding third, but, and we're not really rounding third and headed for home. But we're like, wouldn't we're you rather at the have third base coach? You're the Ayuk guy. Wouldn't you rather have Woods and Rodgers no. than Lamar Jackson and Ayuk, or would you rather have Lamar Jackson Ayuk? Well, I'm not the I'm I'm the Ayuk guy, and then I think he's comfortably ahead of Debo Samuel. Right, right. I That's think what I meant. He's also yeah. comfortably behind George Kittle. Okay, um, but still, I would, I would, I would rather have, I would rather have um, uh, uh, Lamar because I think because of, the, cause of okay. the running. And, and that's certainly fair. Yeah. But, but it's at least it's up for the conversation here that we're having. I, it's a fair conversation. It's definitely a fair conversation to have. And that's what makes so many of these uh, discussions fun as we lead up to draft season in a big way. This is one that I have trouble getting to, Jake. The next guy on our list here, it's TJ uh-huh. Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson going 57.7 tight end five. I love TJ Hawkinson. I had so much TJ Hawkinson last year. I wanted him every single draft. I believe you wrote him up as a breakout tight end uh, j- just then, right? And it's like, I mean, I wanted every, I wanted TJ Hawkinson everywhere I could get him. But 57.7, I mean, that's a little ridiculous, isn't it? That's, that, that just feels too, like, this. Th- there's a very real chance that Detroit has the worst offense or maybe the second worst <laughs> offense with Houston in the league. Like, this is... This is very high when you're thinking about taking TJ Hawkinson and not taking Tyler Lockett or DJ Moore receivers like that. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can get on board with that. I think that's because a lot. Uh, I just I'm a guessing by perception. It feels like the fantasy world is putting Mark Andrews on a tier by himself. Like, I feel like the fantasy world is like a top three and then Andrews and then no, so yeah. So the Hawkinson big three. Hawkinson and Pitts, and then Andrews at six. And Andrews, Andrews yeah. at six. So you're saying yeah. three, that's what I've seen. Five. That's what, if, yeah, that's what I'm judging on drafts that I've seen so far, including Scott Fishbowl. That's what it seems, mm-hmm. and that's like how things are falling. 
and I get it. And I get because Mark Andrews was inconsistent last year and they bring in Bateman. So, and I've made that case saying that I think Bateman could mm-hmm. hurt Andrews more than he hurts Marquise Brown, but and he's already been inconsistent in that being Andrews. But I think the volume is why everybody's on Hawkinson. And I think it's just the fact that he essentially is the Kelsey of the Lions. Now, it's not the same offense. It's also an offense led by Jared Goff. So I say all that to say, I'm with you. I don't want to pay for Hawkinson there. I get it on a volume standpoint. I just don't love Jared Goff in the offense. And mm-hmm. even if it is a volume standpoint, like how many touchdowns is the offense going to score? How good is Jared Goff <laughs> going to be week in and week out? And I have him there with Pitts. I'm just not taking it. Like I'm waiting for that cost. I have no problem taking Pitts there. My biggest yeah. issue is taking Hawkinson there because I'll just wait and wait and wait, and then I'll take a Troutman or a Higby on a post-type sleeper or a Cole Komet much later or Irv Smith, even though I don't love that situation. I actually think mm-hmm. Conklin can push Irv Smith for value, quote-unquote. But Logan Thomas, Robert Tanyan with with Aaron Rodgers back, like – there's just val- like value later where the week in and week out, you're looking at maybe a point, point and a half difference on a week in and week out score, and that's why. I just, I, I, yeah, I, I can't do it. And one of these days, one of these shows coming up, we're going to have to talk about the, like, where do we find the value in Brashad Perriman, Tyrell Williams, Quintez Cephas, whatever this uh, Detroit receiving core is going to be. <laughs> yeah, right. But, I mean, man, I mean, if T- like can TJ Hawkinson deal with, like, number one pass catcher attention? Because that's – what a, we don't know that very yet. well get yeah we have no idea and i don't know i don't want to be in this this assumes that he can 57.7 taking him in the mid to late fifth round that assumes that he can i don't want to be the person making that assumption uh let's get to two more players i think we can squeeze two more players in and then we'll pay off guess that player uh so one of them you already mentioned mike davis uh he is 63 by adp rb 27 early sixth round and this just feels like a volume based layup to me because who's so challenging him? <laughs> who is who's challenging him? Who's challenging Mike Davis in that Atlanta backfield? No one, right? And we've already seen what he can do, and he, he wore down a little bit as the as Carolina asked him to keep on being their go to guy with Christian McCaffrey out last season. But no one in Atlanta is challenging him. No one no. at all is challenging him. And like, and I, you you brought him up when we were talking about uh, Edward Tiller, right? Was it Edward yep. Tiller that you brought yep. him up? And like volume, so. Volume and like and I, what was my bugaboo about Clyde Edwards-Helaire? Clearly, the number three option in his own offense, and we're using a top thirty pick in him. Well, Mike Davis, maybe you could say he's clearly the number three option in his offense. I don't know if I would fully agree with that, but you can make that argument behind Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. But then here he is going sixty third overall. Like I'm totally fine taking a guy who's the number three option in his offense if I can get him at sixty three overall. So I really. Really a big fan of Mike Davis this season. At at ADP, I would totally grab him. Yes, everybody always wants last year's blank. Like, who's this year's Justin Herbert? Who's this year's TJ Hawkins? Like, that's why I do the next breakout pieces because they want the next breakout. Who's this year's last year's? Like, you know who this year's David Montgomery is? Mike Davis. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. without even looking at the schedule yet, you know, because that's the big thing about David Montgomery is that the cakewalk of the schedule at the yeah. end of the season. But even without that, the point that initially made was, was the more valuable point about it is the volume. Once Tariq Cohen went down, it was all David Montgomery. You look at this backfield, Kadri Olsen, probably going to get a few short yards, maybe a few goal line touches. Few, Whatever. few. Cordell okay. Patterson's <laughs> going to be sprinkled in in the gadget way he's always been. I'm a JV and Hawkins fan. Still has to make the team undrafted free agent. And in the passing game mm-hmm. option, you know, Mike Davis proved last year, it, before mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey was even out of a game, even proved his value with the passing game, catching eight yeah. balls in a game and stuff like that. So Mike Davis, uh, sneak preview for we have our sleepers piece coming out. When I texted Beller and I said, can you pick somebody else? Because three people picked his running back. <laughs> uh, I, I gave him the list of who's been picked and Davis was on the list. That's my pick. So you can go read that. And that's why it's like he's not a true sleeper. This is more about undervalued because sleepers don't exist anymore. Yeah. But right, right. the undervalued of Mike Davis right now, RB 27. I have him 10 spots higher at running back alone. I have him at RB 17. Uh, but I don't even have to take him there. And I could take him behind Kareem Hunt and David Montgomery and still get him before he's off the board. You know, got to see the greatness of Mike Davis up close and personal and what he could do last season. The Atlanta Falcons, one of the first games that he played in place of injured Christian McCaffrey, 16 carries for 89 yards, nine catches on 10 targets for 60 yards and a touchdown. And I just feel like Atlanta is going to try to use him like that. And we know there is a whole 
whole bunch of targets that used to belong to Julio Jones that are sitting out there. And obviously, these are two players who are used in very different ways. But there, it also doesn't change the, the fact curtain? that so he gets I would it, love it. Because Mike he, Davis is a top three playmaker. I know he doesn't, he doesn't make the Julio Jones plays, but he's a playmaker for this team. And that's why he's going to get some of those targets. So if everybody wants to go play with the numbers, he's checking it. I, I'm giving this to give context here. It's like even at RB17, <clears> you could say these numbers are possibly low. Um, for 50, 50, 55% rushing share, you could argue he gets the mm -hmm. 60. Um, yep. For 8.3 of the target share, you could argue that even could be a little bit higher. Yep. And even the biggest one, going off Mike Davis's history of who Mike Davis is and this offense, I have a 3.91 yards per carry. That could even be like could easily be low. Mm -hmm. He averages 4.2 yards per carry, gets to 60% rush share. And he's not RB17. He's even better than this. <laughs> and that's RB17. Yeah. That's giving him 200 and... 292 total touches this year. I mean, that feels like that feels like you checked a worst case scenario box across the board for Mike Davis. <laughs> I would say a little and bit better so, than worst case scenario. I would just say it's like it's definitely on the conservative 50, side. Fifty five percent carries, eight point three percent targets, and three point nine yards only per a carry. Like, of running backs that I get can't over see him getting much worse than that. Well, I know, I know, but I'm just, I can't see him doing much lower okay, than okay, those yeah, numbers. Yeah, that's, that's certainly fair. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what I mean by that. So Mike Davis, we are definitely, we have to make Mike Davis like the unofficial spokesperson of the athletic fantasy football podcast. Just make his quads the unofficial spokesperson. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Just make that the official spokesperson. Are you kidding me? Get, get Mike Davis's quad some NIL rights. So let's, let's do that. Uh, one more running back and then we'll uh, wrap things up here. Leonard Fournette. I wanted to bring up Leonard Fournette because we have a uh, comment here from jo coach Gene Clemens who wanted us to, uh, you know, talk about Ronald Jones. So didn't have Ronald Jones scripted largely because you only need to script one of these guys and you can get both of them. And I wanted to talk about Leonard Fournette. This is a hard one for me to figure, Jake. RB32, 76.7, early seventh round. I find it very easy so far in my best ball drafts and in Scott Fishbowl. I found it relatively easy to just pass on these guys, even knowing what they did a season ago because I don't know. Like, are they going to do that again? Is this offense going to do that again? Is this running back situation going to be as, like, semi-reliable and productive as it was a season ago. Like it's hard for me to really want to deal. This would become this, this already feels like one of those running back situations. It's more of a headache than it's worth dealing with. Even if one of them ends up being a regular starter. What's the saying? If you have four running backs, you have none or something like that. <laughs> so it's like ridiculous. Yeah. Two quarterbacks. Here's, here's what it comes down to here is Ronald Jones. Not great in the passing game. Leonard Fournette. Right. Okay. Solid. Yeah. Giovanni Bernard. Great. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's the biggest issue here is let's, let's just yes. throw Giovanni Bernard out of the picture. You're still dealing with the same situation we had last year where it was like, mm. finally, it's Leonard Fournette. Oh, it's not this week. He got three carries. It's Ronald Jones. Let's yeah. get back on the Ronald Jones. Got Jones. Yeah. Carries. Let's get back on the Ronald Jones carry. He fumbles with the second snap and he's done for the game. Like it was chasing your tail the entire and I know this yep. because I had to try and rank him every single week and answer your questions. I'm not I'm not like I'm not talking down to anybody. I'm just saying like I was yeah. there with you going through this frustration. I was trying to find a running back for Ronald Jones for like use him on one of my teams. You're chasing your tail the entire year trying to figure out who the person was going to be. Never could get it right. And now you have what Tom Brady loves and this offense yes. kind of was lacking last year is a really mm -hmm. good pass catching running back. This is a three headed backfield. I want nothing mm -hmm. to do with it. It's the same way as it's always been with the Patriots. If you're going to give me anybody, I'm going to take the cheapest Gio. one. I'm going to take the pass catcher and I'm going to take Giovanni yes. Bernard. I mean, we are in total lockstep here. I want Giovanni Bernard because I think there's something here for What's him in this ADP? offense in a way that there just isn't. His ADP, I mean, there's uh, got to be like RB really quick. Giovanni RB56, 166 ADP. Yeah. 166? Uh, you, you, so he's free. Yeah, you're seeing. Yeah, he's free. Uh, John Brown, Trey Lance, Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar. Those are the other Throw guys. Throw John Brown on the next show. We need to bring, we need to talk about that nonsense. All right. <laughs> uh, it'll give me a it'll give me a chance to make some of my favorite references uh, that have nothing to do with football when we talk about John Brown. So we'll definitely we'll definitely bring him up in the next show. But uh, Giovanni Bernard, yes, I want all the Giovanni Bernard because I mean, right, James White. He could be James White for Tom Brady. He didn't have that last season. Maybe he will ultimately have that this season. 
All right, Jake, let's uh, let's do it. Let's give clue number three. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's wrap up. We had a lot of other players that we wanted to talk about. We just next show. ultimately didn't have time to get to them, but we're saving it for next show. It's ADP week here at the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. So clue number three for our guest that player this week. No other running back on my team. I mean, this team this year as constructed, not last year. No other running back on my team has had more than 125 touches in a season. Oh, this is, That's de- what we're looking I gotta at. I got to be right. I definitely got to be right. So clue number one. Among running backs with at least six games played in 2020, I was RB10 by points per game. Clue number two, I was in the top 10 in touches per game with 18.3. And clue number three, I'm all alone. No other running back on my team has had more than 125 touches in a season. Who you got, Jake? Guess that player. Oh, not right. Maybe no. Right. Well, no, it. No, it's not right because I did this for you, Jake. I did this for you. I didn't. I, I said specifically where he ranked, so it couldn't be that there were two right answers. It is Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin is the answer here. I mean, Jake is he is he a different version of Mike Davis? Because that's how uh, I'm looking at Miles Gaskin. No challenge for volume. Right? They got Malcolm. Malcolm Brown's the other guy. Malcolm Brown had 123 touches for the Rams a season ago. There's no vol- no competition for volume in this Miami offense. Miles Gaskin was very productive a season ago. Maybe we get an improving Tua this year. Like, I don't know, man. I feel pretty good about Miles Gaskin. ADP, let me give that to you really quick, I'm and then you can quick. say a nice thing about him, I hope. RB23, <laughs> 47.3 overall. I'm actually looking right now. Joe Mixon was one spot in front of him in points per game. So, yes, there I was right, but I was wrong by your placement. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, again, as always, Jake's right, but he's wrong. Or he's wrong, but he's right. <laughs> Look, I like I like Miles Gaskin a lot because people know I was a Miles Gaskin guy like two years ago. Uh-huh. So I was like, a Miles Gaskin, hey, you know, stash him. He could be the guy in this backfield as people get hurt. The biggest concern, I think, with Miami is just, is he the guy, the guy? Like, you know, yes, you mentioned, but Ahmed Uh looks solid at times. Uh, You know, you look at this backfield and you say, all right, how many carries do they get total? And I'm going to them real quick for the projections. Malcolm Brown, they bring in, as you mentioned. So right now I have Gaskin with a 46% rushing share because I have 19% going to Ahmed and 16% going to Brown. If Brown doesn't even make the team, that would tell me a lot about the Ahmed Gaskin pairing. And I have mm-hmm. Gaskin easily leading this backfield and receiving opportunity. So, you know, you could argue it's low. Uh, part of it, too, is the rushing upside touchdown for this team. You know, like that's not always been their biggest thing is providing touchdowns for right. the backfield. But to go back to what we were talking about earlier, that tier with the Miles Sanders, what we're talking about. The mm-hmm. tier for me ends with ETN, and it's like the ETN, Sanders, Hunt, Montgomery, Jacobs, Sanders, or I said Sanders, Gaskin, Edwards, Alaire, they're all right there. And if Gaskin finished at the top of it, it wouldn't shock me. I think I think Gaskin's a great value as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's another guy who's easy to get on board with at ADP forty seven point three against so that puts him right at the end of the fourth round. If you've gone. Uh, wide receiver heavy if you have been someone who who took a tight end if you took Darren Waller if you took George Kittle and you're crossing your fingers that a solid running back makes it back to you at the end of the fourth round I think Miles Gaskin could be the answer to exactly what you're looking for just like he was a season ago hopefully this was the answer to something you were looking for on your Monday and we can be that for you again on Thursday again we are now up to two times a week when we get into August we will be going three times a week and then when we get to the regular season this show blows back out to five days a week on the athletic fantasy football podcast again draft kit launch here at the athletic this week be sure to be on the lookout for that might be some promo codes available to you as well we got a ton of stuff coming a ton of ready made content it's been very hard worked on right at the top of that list jake's customizable projections and rankings. So be sure to check don't all that him. out when it debuts on The Athletic <laughs> later this week. And please don't break them because Jake worked really, really hard on them. For Jake Seeley, I am Michael Beller. Both of us and Brandon Funston back from vacation will be with you on Thursday. Until then, have a great couple of days and we'll talk to you soon. And hey, go Matt Olson in the Home Run Derby. <laughs> <laughs>